0: Hello, and welcome to the Johnson, Voorhees, and Martucci podcast. I'm Patrick Martucci. And I'm Scott Voorhees. And today we are discussing motorcycle issues, including various things, motorcycle safety, helmets, uh, safety courses, a variety of topics. Thank you for joining us. I, for one, do ride a motorcycle. I have a Harley Davidson Street Glide. I've been riding about five years, and I love it. There's nothing like hitting the open road. I call it wind therapy, uh, relieving stress and just having a good time. But uh, it is uh, something you need to be ready for, you need to be up for, you need to be attentive about and certainly cautious about and know the
1: risk. Would you agree with that, Scott? I would. Um, I rode basically from the time I was 14 until, well, how old I am now. But I almost never get on the roads anymore, uh, doing what we do for a living and seeing all the wrecks and the tragedies we've seen. It's just scary getting on the road these days.
0: That's true. You know, first let's talk about some statistics, um, you know, 2017 there were over 5,000 um, deaths of motorcycle riders and passengers. But uh, what's uh, more concerning, and we probably know the answer to that, is that fatalities among motorcycle riders and passengers have more than doubled since 1997. And Scott, why do you think
1: that is? You know, the thing that most people would guess uh, would be the lack of helmets because there's that big push to repeal the to motorcycle helmet law what, last year and seems like every four or five years. But in Missouri, you're still required to have a helmet um, by law. But my guess is still that the fatalities are because people don't use them.
0: What else do you think that is, Scott?
1: <laughs> cell phones. That's cell right. phone. that's As a, I have my cell phone to hit. my ear. I like that.
0: <laughs> so no, you're you're right on the helmets, but certainly cell phones and just distracted driving in general has increased. And being on a smaller uh, mode of uh, transportation, a motorcycle, you're harder to see and uh, with that distracted
1: driving people just aren't going to see you and that increases the risk of a crash. So let me stop you there for a second. You're talking about people who are hitting motorcyclists being distracted, not people on the motorcycles using the cell phones or both? Uh, you know that's a, a very good point. I am talking about...
0: People who are driving traditional vehicles, trucks, tractor-trailers are talking on their cell phones. But with that said, I have uh, amazingly and hauntingly seen people riding motorcycles messing with their cell phones. That's
1: what I've seen too. It just kills me. Okay, not me, but (laughs) it looks
0: like it could kill them. Yeah, that's uh, uh, just commonplace. In fact, I hear uh, the rate of motorcycle Uh, riders has decreased in recent years because uh, at least I don't know the statistics on that but people tell me you know I used to ride I just don't anymore because other drivers are just too foolish and not paying attention and they've had a a friend or someone get hit by a a motorist who was talking on their cell phone or doing something like that. A few more um, statistics. Uh, The vast majority of motorcycle crashes are due to alcohol impairment, alcohol impairment of the motorcyclist and or the person driving a car. And that's almost something that doesn't need to be said, but with that terrible statistic, I think we need to repeat it. Never drive a vehicle, never ride a motorcycle uh, while you're under the influence
1: of alcohol. It's just not safe for anything. You know, talking about the statistics, I remember seeing one, it was 25, it was between 25 and 30 percent more likely to die in a motorcycle wreck than a car wreck just because they lack of the extra protection and so i think that if you know you're involved in an alcohol related accident or crash then certainly you don't have any room for error if you've got a motorcycle only protecting you that's right you know let's let's take a few minutes and talk about how to
0: protect yourself as far as the gear uh, the number one thing you think about to protect yourself in a motorcycle wreck is a motorcycle helmet okay. um, It's Controversial topic. A lot of states do not require uh, motorcycle helmets. We live in Missouri. Missouri does have a helmet law. Uh, Oklahoma does not have a helmet law. Arkansas does not have a helmet law. And Kansas, to my recollection, does not have a helmet law. So being here in Missouri, we do, but it's easy just to cross the state line and you're buffered by three states or bordered by three states that do not require helmets. Helmets
1: are worth their weight in gold. I gotta tell you, um, I would not get on my bike without a helmet, I don't care what the yeah. law is, I've just seen too many things. And even with the helmet, um, my stepfather was in a coma for a while because he had a brain stem swelling from a, an accident and he had a helmet on. And so they won't stop all the injuries, but I gotta tell you, um, that extra protection is worth it. And I know that it's uncomfortable and it gets hot and that kind of thing, but man, uh, wear a helmet always. And
0: they've modernized helmets to make them more comfortable. Of course, you have the safest helmet would be the full-face helmet. They have those now where the front face will actually flip up. Uh, If you're at a stoplight or something like that, you want to take a drink. They actually have venting built built into the helmets uh, that you can allow some
1: air to come through. Not a whole lot, but some is better than none. Get the DOT certified. I mean, you can get a thinner version. You can get a lighter version. But I've seen a lot of folks who that will wear a helmet just to skate by the police enforcement. And so they'll get the ones that are basically cosmetic helmets. Right. Don't do that. Get If you're going to get a light helmet, at least make sure it's DOT certified. Right. They call those skull caps. They have no—let's talk a little bit about the DOT
0: certification. You can tell if a helmet is DOT means Department of Transportation certified. Uh, it will have not just a sticker typically, they've gotten a little more advanced because people have developed DOT stickers that you can put on these very thin skull caps that don't provide any protection. But they'll actually have either um, painted on like a ghost painted or some sort of very difficult to remove sticker that's uh, usually colored um, that contrasts with the helmet and it stands out. And you can tell right away, look at the back of the helmet, if it has the DOT label, you can be pretty assured that it is going to be a DOT certified helmet. And what does that mean to be a DOT certified helmet? You can look up the uh, code of regulations, they read like stereo instructions, but it has to have so much um, cushioning, so much thickness that actually provide <clears throat> protection to your head in the event of a wreck. And that's contrast with the skull caps that all they have is a thin, usually a quarter inch layer of plastic is all it is. And that is not going to provide any protection except maybe some road rash. And uh, I once had a case and had to do some research into the helmet protection. And uh, there are studies out there that say if you're sitting on a motorcycle, just sitting there, and the motorcycle falls over and you hit your head, uh, you can hit your head hard enough to basically be in a coma or you can even kill yourself. It is not so much just the speed that's involved. It is the distance of going from an upright position, say, five and a half, six feet and falling over and hitting your head, that (laughs) you can develop enough force there that they can kill you. So I guess any time the rule there, any time you're on a motorcycle, you should have a DOT certified helmet. Okay, uh, other types of protective gear have come a long way. They have, uh, I wear a leather jacket even in the summer, but again, the jackets have venting. They have venting in the front and venting in the back, you put it up and you get a nice cool breeze. It's, it's not, yeah, it gets warm, but really it's only warm when I'm stopped. As I'm going and the wind picks up and goes through my jacket, I'm fine.
1: How about chest uh, plates? Do you have a chest plate or any gear like that?
0: I do not, but I was gonna say most motorcycle gear, at least um, moderately to expensive motorcycle gear, will accommodate what they call body armor. You can buy separately and they have little sleeves or pockets built in that you can put the body armor. Usually it's in a place such as your elbows, uh, your chest, maybe even your back areas. But that is a, on the secondary market. You can oftentimes add to almost any type of equipment. So, what do you think about crash bars? Crash bars. You um, mean on the sides of your motorcycle? Yeah. So
1: I've heard some people say that it helps protect the legs from getting crushed. You have to lay the bike down. I've heard others say that it's more likely to cause you to wreck and cause an injury. Where do you come down on crash bars?
0: You know, I don't have enough information about that, but I do have a one semi-personal experience. <laughs> My uh, partner and I, the writing partner I have, she was. Uh, riding on a motorcycle it was at night unfortunately we couldn't get back uh, during the daytime we usually don't ride at night uh, and we're on to the interstate and there was these what they call alligators it was a tractor tractor trailer tire that had come loose and is laying in the middle of the road it's dark the tractor trailer tire is black the asphalt is black and she didn't see it and she hit it and she had the crash bars and um it, she went down with the bike, couldn't control it uh, after it went into the wobble, and uh, it, she didn't have any damage to her legs. Hmm. Whereas that uh, bike, which probably weighs about 700 pounds, her bike you know, would have caused serious damage to her legs. She has the crash bars. I do not have the uh, larger crash bars on the back. They do have them on the front, but I don't have them on the back. So I don't have enough experience about that, but I could certainly see how they would add protection for your legs because uh, when you're in that situation, you don't have enough wherewithal of your mindset or just maybe strength to jump off the bike and get clear far enough so that the bike's not going to land on you. And you want to separate from your bike if you're on the ground. We're going to talk about whether you should try to come off your bike, but uh, try to separate from your bike so your bike's not rolling with you or rolling over you or certainly you don't get ahead of the bike and the bike comes crashing behind you when you do stop.
1: You know, we're to talk about this protective gear, but you sort of alluded to, or started to talk about maybe the most important thing is that that's knowing how to handle the situation in advance. Now, before you start riding, did you take one of these um, instruction courses, a motorcycle safety course, anything like that? I absolutely did. What do you think about those? I thought it
0: was, it provided me great information, a great foundation. They actually, they all have like a half day of class time where they just kind of go over the basics, some of the rules of the road. But then the next two days you're spending, about four or five hours out on a uh, safe track a a parking lot typically a large parking lot they've marked off and they go through all these uh, various skills hard breaking turning different situations figure eight turns and I thought it provided me with a a great foundation that you want to keep practicing on especially going from the off season back to the on season because they are perishable skills skills that you lose if you don't practice them over time but I thought it was very valuable they're not very, that expensive but the skill set
1: you're going to get from them is well worth it i had a friend of mine who was an instructor at one of those and of course i learned to ride in a field at uh, i guess it would be my step grandpa's place and then never took one of those but was talking with him about kinds of some of the things that he was teaching and the thing that i think i missed out on wasn't so much how to operate the bike itself but how to navigate the other driver issues. So like how to watch in the mirror for the guy who's not stopping behind you to stop stoplight or how to deal with a person who may not be stopping at the stop sign. And really it's a lot of the defensive driving for motorcyclists. That I feel like I missed out on because I didn't have that
0: yeah that's exactly right they'll go through skills like what to do if a dog jumps in front of you or starts chasing after you pray is that yeah. the <laughs> instruction <laughs> actually in that situation you you maintain your speed as a dog gets closer to you you quickly accelerate away because then the dog will stop yeah. um, but you don't try to kick at it or anything like that no <laughs> but it goes through a lot of those skills and uh, I, I just got a lot out of the, the course and uh, also it'll make you realize what skills you're lacking so you need to work on them. They'll tell you you need to practice this more or go over this more um, so that you you know what you're good at but also just as important, if not more important, what you're bad at.
1: Well, you talked a a minute ago a little bit about the use it or lose it. I mean, certainly, uh, I probably have forgotten a lot of the things that I learned when I was 15 or 16. And we see some of that with the car wreck and motorcycle collisions that we see in our office where you have older folks who have been I guess maybe reintroduced or coming back to writing, and it seems like we see more of those wrecks than we used to. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's true, and the statistics
0: show that uh, as you get—I'm well, going to say older, although I fall in this age group—in uh, your fifties, and older certainly you, <laughs> as you get in your sixties, uh, most—that's where most of the uh, accident victims fall within those age ranges i think it was 36 percent or so of all um fatalities were older riders and there's various reasons for that what you have is people who maybe rode when they were teenagers or in their 20s and then they get married they have kids and they step away from it and then they get into their 50s their kids are grown they have more disposable income and they decide i want to ride again Uh, Maybe they don't take a refresher course, thinking, hey, what I had in the past is gonna be good enough, but a lot has has changed since then. The bikes are faster, they're more powerful, traffic conditions change, um, and as you get older, just your reflexes change and things of that nature change. So you need to, regardless of your age, you need to keep up that skill set, but you need to be mindful of uh, your age and any restrictions that
1: might occur with age we also don't bounce as well from a guy who's fallen in a broken stuff. We just that's, don't bounce as well. That's, that's exactly right. We do not <laughs> bounce as well. Um, there's one other point I wanted to say about that. Uh, well, passengers, that's one of the things that I wonder about is, you know, even growing up, I, I never had somebody on the back until I got older. And now it seems like if I was going to ride, it's usually with someone on the back. I, I think that's a whole different skill set, especially if the person behind you doesn't know what they're doing
0: yeah riding with a passenger requires considerably more skill um, i have done it a couple times and i am amazed how slower the bike reacts uh, as far as turns and also just when you come to a stop you're now balancing the bike with yourself and another person's body weight on there sometimes the body weight will double and it is a lot harder um just i was had that a couple of weeks ago had someone on the back for a short distance and just maneuvering uh, through some turns and certainly at a slower speed and coming to a stop, I was like, man, this is a lot
1: harder to do. Well, especially if the other rider doesn't know what they're doing. You know, a lot of times if you've got an experienced person behind you, it's not that big a deal or a big a difference, Mm -hmm. but boy, oh boy, if you've got somebody who's uh, nervous behind you, be careful. Exactly. One common example of that is
0: coming into turns. Uh, They teach you in these safety courses that whenever you have someone on the back and they go into a turn, they should lean with you in the direction of the turn. Well, sometimes you have passengers, they don't wanna lean, they wanna sit upright, they wanna stay upright and that's kind of a force working against you and that makes it that much more difficult. Um, So certainly that's a skill you wanna practice and a skill you wanna have down someone on the back before you uh, go out on major roads and certainly on an interstate or something
1: like that. One of the things we wanna make sure we were talking about today was how to be safer on on a motorcycle. Um, but really in our practice most of the time it's not the motorcyclist who has caused the injury it's not the person on the bike who's been at fault usually uh, at least from what i've seen patrick is it's the person in a in a full-sized automobile or in a truck or a tractor trailer who's just not paying attention and looking out for that motorcyclist
0: that's that's right in fact one of the most common types of wrecks involving a motorcycle is when a car pulls out in front of you or a car turns left in front of you. Um, that's, there's various reasons for that. People either and their cars are distracted. Uh, motorcycles just don't stand out as well. Or because motorcycles are smaller, it is harder for someone in a car to predict the speed of the motorcycle and how quickly the motorcycle will close the distance between the motorcycle
1: and the vehicle itself. For me, it was always the blind spots is I would just have some idiot who would just pull right into where I was already occupying in my lane. And I just assumed it's because they can't see or don't check their blind spot.
0: That's, that's very true. In fact, and it's a good segue into a, another topic we should talk about is that is the, uh, some of the most common car wrecks, uh, car versus motorcycle wrecks. Um, the number one or one of the number ones is uh, cars turn left in front of you. And how do you avoid that? Well, as a motorcyclist, you want to try to see it coming. When you see that there is a gap in traffic, in other words, where there is a good distance between you and a vehicle that's about to make a left turn or is about to pull out of a driveway, that you want to slow down, cover your brake, meaning put your hand over your brake in case you do have to brake hard, and then get ready to take evasive action. You always want to have, I guess they call it the escape route, where you know driving down the road, okay, There's a wide shoulder on the right. If I have to go into the wide shoulder, I can do that. If there's no shoulder, what am I gonna do? Is there any vehicles in the oncoming lane so I can swerve into that lane if this person in front of me suddenly breaks hard? Always have in your mind, what is my escape route? That's a good idea for a car too. Oh, exactly. But other ways to avoid it is look for signs of that vehicle and one, whether the driver is paying attention. Are they looking at you? Are they talking on the cell phone? Are they talking to a passenger? Are they looking in another area? And then uh, watch their wheels. You can tell if their wheels start turning before you're gonna be able to appreciate if the car is actually moving. So I always watch their wheels and see if the wheels start to move forward, then I know they're about to pull out. You always want to, again, know what's behind you and beside you for your escape route. Uh, When it comes to having to brake in that situation, you hear people say, oh, you know, I had to lay it down. There's nothing I can do, I just had to lay it down. Avoid at all costs laying your bike down. You want to shed as much speed on your bike before you come into contact with anything or even try to stop before. it. The only way you're going to do that is if you stay on your bike and you are hard braking. That is going to allow you to reduce as much speed pre-collision and you're much safer to hit something on your bike with the bike upright than laying the bike down where you're rolling along the roadway and you're just relying relying on your body's momentum to eventually slow you you don't know where the bike is you don't know if the bike's going to hit you and you don't know how hard you're going to hit the vehicle even when you're
1: rolling down the roadway you also have other traffic to contend with you know I've always wanted to be upright and in control of the bike rather than you know uh, out of control on the road that's right because you can you, you know where you're gonna be when the bike stops. When you,
0: you can't control your body when you're rolling down the highway at 40, 50, 60 miles an hour. Uh, and that's another thing, always know uh, when you are in that situation, you want to look at your escape route. And the studies have shown, if you are looking at the person that's pulling in front of you, if you are watching um, the car that's coming at you, your bike and your body's gonna go in that direction. So you wanna look at your escape route, if it's to the right on the shoulder to go around, that's the way you wanna look. If you're watching that, that uh, a car or that hazard in front of you, that's typically where the bike's gonna to continue to go.
1: Unfortunately, even with all of the safety equipment and safety precautions and paying attention and leaving yourself now, there are gonna be collisions between motorcyclists and cars. And one of the thing I think that we face as attorneys is very often people assume that it's a motorcyclist's fault, that they were being reckless or they're going too fast. And like we've talked about, that's usually not the case. But here in Missouri, we should tell them that even if the motorcyclist is partly at fault, we have the ability to compare fault. And so a lot of times, even though the car driver is gonna say that the cyclist was 10% at fault or 50% at fault or whatever, it's still worth talking to an attorney to bring that claim.
0: That's exactly right. State's laws vary on that, but here in Missouri, we have a, a pure comparative fault, meaning if the motorcyclist is, let's say, 60% of fault for the wreck. Well, the bad driver of the car that was also responsible for the wreck, they're responsible for 40% of the injuries and damages caused to that motorcyclist. So you always want to consult an attorney. Hey, even if you're mine, you think it's your fault. There's a lot of things out there you're not aware of, uh, what the police caught up on or what other witnesses might say that will change that picture
1: and allow you to uh, make a claim for your injuries. A lot of times because the person on the motorcycle is most hurt, Uh, they don't always get a chance to tell their side of the story to law enforcement at the time. And so very often the initial report is wrong because they're only getting information from the driver who is really the person most at fault. Why is it important, Patrick, if you're looking for an attorney after being involved in a collision with a motorcycle to have an attorney who is experienced and knows about motorcycle issues?
0: Well, it's it, just like anything, The if you go to someone who knows what they're dealing with, they're going to know what to do to protect you. Uh, we do certain specialty areas of the law, motorcycle wrecks, tractor-trailer wrecks, car wrecks, medical negligence cases, nursing home cases. We spend a lot of time setting up on those, and we have... Uh, a, a large uh, experience of past cases and have seen a lot of different situations. But you need to know someone who uh, understands how motorcycles work. Motorcycles aren't the same as cars. Um, what the, and also that motorcyclists have the same rights as a car on the road. They're entitled to be out there on the roadway. You have to watch out for them just so you have to watch out for another car. So knowing uh, an, or using an attorney that has that experience and knows those laws is uh, gonna help you uh, immensely in any lawsuit you might have arising out of a motorcycle wreck. You know, touching on a couple of those areas that you mentioned, getting back to some of the common wrecks is uh, one is a car changing lanes in front of you. Right. And that's the, the blind spot situation. Because motorcycles are smaller, um, they aren't as easily seen through a driver looking through their mirrors. And how to avoid that is you Stay out of those blind spots. Know where the blind spots are. There's a lot of diagrams you can look up online or in motorcycle safety books. That'll show you where the blind spots are. Uh, But if you can see in the drivers, the car drivers, side view mirrors, and you can see their eyes, they should be able to see you. That doesn't mean they're watching, but they should be able to see you. And do not hang out in the blind spots. If you have to be in a blind spot, get quickly out of that blind spot as soon as possible. Look uh, to see if... um, uh, turn signals are activated, things like that, and anticipate cars merging into your lane. Um, other, another area of uh, common uh, motorcycle wrecks is when they hit gravel in the roadway. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's uh, I've I've had that. Never been um, thrown from a motorcycle by that, but it's something that uh, uh, scares you when you come on it because your wheels start to slide. And the best way to avoid that is watch out for the gravel, uh, go slow into the curve and then fast out of the curve. Be mindful, certainly when you're driving after storms where there might have been flooding or snow, when you get that
1: uh, salt and stuff, they spray on the roadway because that'll be uh, slippery as well. That's another good point is sometimes whenever we're involved in these crashes, we notice that there's a problem with the roadway and that sometimes that can be a cause of action against whoever's supposed to maintain that roadway also. And so a lot of times where you've got... uh, Railroad tracks, or you got road grates, or things like that. They should be configured in such a way so that they don't present a hazard to motorcyclists. But often they're not maintained well, and they do. So that's something else to look at. Appropriate signage too. Having
0: right. the, the the county or the state who maintains having a sign that warns you that this is a sharp hairpin, hairpin turn. I unfortunately had a brother-in-law who was driving his motorcycle uh, at night out in the country and came upon one of those turns where it's probably a 10 or 15 mile an hour turn should be and there was no signage whatsoever. Hmm. So and then lastly as we started off the uh, alcohol use that is one of the that's probably the number one cause of motorcycle wrecks so you definitely do not want to drink alcohol and operate any type of machinery whether it's a motorcycle a car or anything else.
1: But if somebody has questions about motorcycle safety tips, motorcycle law, or they or loved one have been involved in a crash with a motorcycle, feel free to give us a call. It's always free to talk with us, and we'd love to hear from you. Harry Johnson, Voorhees, and Martucci. Certainly. Or even if you just want to
0: talk motorcycles, i love to talk motorcycles, so just give us a call. And I'd rather talk motorcycles with you when you're healthy and not hurt than when you're in the hospital or laid up and you are hurt.
1: you get some new riding
0: partners. That's right.
1: <laughs> All right. Thank you. Hey, thank you.